Welcome to the show, everyone. We have a very special guest for you today. He is a phenomenal actor featured in many movies and TV shows, and he is a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Welcome to the show, the great Kaivi Lyman. Hello, sir. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> you know, I talked to you during lockdown. Uh, that's when mm -hmm. I first met with you, The Mongolian Connection, a yeah. phenomenal film. Everybody should definitely check that out. But at the time, you were purple belt. So congrats on the brown belt, my brother. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So everybody has different walks of life, different crazy busy schedules. As an actor, I'm sure you have schedules all over the place and travel. What does it mean to you and what it took, you know, the barriers to overcome to achieve that level of brown belt? Man, just a lot of, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, is a lot of sweat and blood and yeah. tears all of the above. I mean, I was, a, I was a blue belt for almost like 18 years because I took a, I started training in 2001, which is a lot earlier than a lot of my instructors, professors started. But I, when I moved to LA for work, I kind of took about a seven to eight year break because I didn't want to, you know, chip my teeth more and the ears and stuff. But then after that, I was just like, ah, whatever. And when I met my wife, who's Brazilian, her father-in-law is a fourth degree black belt and her brother is a black belt under Andre Gavol. So they got me back into it in about 2015. And so I've been going strong since 2015 with, you know, just breaks for work. But the saying that I steal from my good friend who you interviewed, uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, is yeah. that whenever I travel, you know, I just bring a mouth guard and a belt. And <laughs> wherever I am in the world, I have like this, this frat house, this not, you know, not a fraternity, it's not all boys, but this brotherhood, this community that I can always go to and, you know, I've, I've trained in Korea where no one spoke any English and it didn't matter because we shared this common bond. And you don't have to be an actor to have a crazy schedule. I mean, people can have tons of family yeah. stuff, but you know what it takes to make it go right. Or have a crazy schedule. If you look at the percentage of, you know, the people you walk into the gym are actual, unless you're going to art of jujitsu in Costa Mesa, like chances are everyone works a normal nine to five. Like it's very rare to be training with someone that jujitsu is their profession. These are active competitors. Like, you know, True. it's still very much a hobby sport, but it's so great to see guys like the Mendes brothers and, and Tynan Dalapra, like really kind of bringing this sport into the limelight. I'm sure you've seen it grown way more than I have. And I've seen it grown like tremendously and change. Like I, when I stopped and came back, there was no Baron Bull. Like <laughs> <laughs> the long step and Baron Bola did not exist. And then eight, uh, within the time I took a break, like all of a sudden I was like, you can turn upside down on people. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. But yeah, you did say you started early uh, 2000s. What attracted you to even want to try jujitsu? Yeah, so two weird things. It was the year before I graduated high school. I graduated in 2002 and I was a big into skateboarding, but I kept like breaking my ankles. I wasn't great at it, but I loved it. I loved the guys that um, I skateboarded with. And there were these little, you know, little skinny kids. And we'd end up wrestling. And I, I could never understand how someone smaller and physically weaker than me would get on my back. And I would have to be like, hey, stop. You're, you're choking me. Yeah. And I, I never understood that. I did six years of karate. So I thought I was, you know, I thought I was the man. And they're like, I'm like, what? what is this? They're like, oh, it's, we just started it. It's called jujitsu. And in my mind, I thought 
when I went to class with them, I thought I was getting into ninjutsu, which was oh. art. I was like, oh, I'm going to learn how to be a ninja. This is awesome. Way wrong. But I was very grateful. You know, my first professor was Helson Gracie. I got my blue belt from Helson Gracie. I was going to ask. Okay, interesting. Okay, great. Yeah, so he Helson is responsible for bringing jujitsu to Oh, he's Hawaii. based in Hawaii. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they, my friends ended up stopped going, and I just I fell in love with it. In the first couple months, I went and did my first tournament as a white belt, and I was just old enough that I was competing in the adults. I didn't win my first tournament, but I was like a 17-year-old kid fighting like a 28-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> But it was, yeah, I just, I, I fell in love with it immediately. Uh, that's the, so interesting. And yeah, I always like asking guys this because everybody's like a little different dynamic to it, which is what was your first year of training like? Did it come oh, naturally to you? Did you hit every wall along the way? Ah, I'm, I'm, I'm still hitting every wall. <laughs> along the way, you know, it's just that uh, some walls are easier to climb over. Yeah, I think, you know, because I'm, I'm ADHD, so... I, my brain is always all over the place, but I have the gift of hyper-focus. So this was something as like a crazy, you know, oh, look, something shiny type of kid. I could hyper-focus on this. And, you know, all those bumps and like just being a white belt is, that's the trial by fire right there. You know, yeah. you find out real quick if you like this sport or you don't like it. But I was lucky that I had great professors I really enjoyed the academy and there were like, there were some younger kids, a little younger than me. I think it was like a yellow belt and a green belt. And they would just, they would just wipe the floor with me. And I, I was bigger and older. And so that was really, to me, such an eye opener that these kids, I was 17, they were probably like 14 or 15. I was just like, there has to be some magic here. You know, if that, if they can do that to me, then... Yeah. Yeah. So that really kept me hooked. And then it's just, it's, it's like a never ending puzzle. Like it's a puzzle where you'll solve a problem, but then there's, there's just an infinite amount of problems. And maybe you solve a problem with a certain person, but now there's an infinite amount of people that have different, you know, problems that they throw at you. And it just becomes a game of, can I solve the problems you're throwing at me faster than you can solve the problems I'm throwing at? Yeah, it's so addicting. Anyone that's listening to this that does it, they know. know. Yeah. Well, not yeah. just 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 addicting, but it's very um, it's very therapeutic. You kind of go on that side of things. Yeah. How it kind of levels you out. It's like yoga on crack. <laughs> that's a good one. Sounds like a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And then starting back up in 2015. Mm -hmm. What was that like? I mean, I'm sure outside of, of course, conditioning and things may be looser than what it was when you oh, last yeah. left off, but you start coming back quicker than as if you first started. Sure. Sure. So I, I had been away for so long that I was like, there's no way I deserve to like wear this blue belt. I, I don't mm. even think I could find it. So I went into the academy and, they, you know, it's like, hey, welcome. There's this amazing academy and rest in peace. It had to shut down, unfortunately, because of the pandemic and it hasn't opened oh. But Tim Peterson was the instructor in uh, Los Angeles, and the place was called Robot Fight and Fitness. Hmm. Tim is a, oh, he should probably be a third or fourth degree under Jiva, Jiva Santana, the arm collector. And to me, Tim is, if John Danaher and Guy Mendes had a child, it would be. Okay. So uh, wow. I remember walking in there, and he, they were very welcoming. 
And I was like, yeah, I haven't trained in almost a decade. And they're like, well, come on in, try out the class. And I remember my first class. And then, you know, I, I can't remember what we went over in class, but when we sparred immediately, I was like, oh, this is what I've been missing. Yeah, I was definitely rusty and stuff. I was literally moving off of like muscle memory, which was barely there. I was like, backstep everything, backstep everything. <laughs> but, you know, I, I rolled with Tim and I think he rolled with his eyes closed and breathed through his nose the entire time. And I was like, I, well, that's what I want to be able to do with people. And I was just, you know, I was a mess, like no grip strength. The, the, you know, the, the jujitsu, there's nothing that really prepares you for jujitsu cardio. It's such isometric training plus like sprinting on a treadmill for, you know, five oh, Yeah. Days. It doesn't, it's not anything. One of the biggest things I've heard over the years the most, and you probably can contest this too, is someone who's going to either get back into it or just start. They go, you know what? Let me get in shape first and then I'll, then I'll do class. And rude awakening, nothing's going to prepare you for jujitsu as much as jujitsu. Yeah. I was actually, I was just away on a job for six months for a new series. And I couldn't really train just because of the risk of injury. And I also had just, I, gotten shoulder surgery because of jiu-jitsu <laughs> uh, white belts it doesn't get easier in uh december so i'm just coming out of recovery for that but the hotel i would sprint three times a week and i remember when i came back my cardio was great like sprinting really helped doing like 20 second bursts with 10 second rest for 15 minutes mm. like i came back cardio very strong grip strength and mind very weak but not being like, ah, ah. yeah, I didn't have that. So that's something that I still do now. Like I try sprint at least two times a week and it's like, it's been the biggest help to my jujitsu more than strength training, I think. Right. It really emulates that anaerobic endurance or the anaerobic quality of it. And you mentioned earlier too, your boy, uh, Sean Patrick Flanner, here's a nice shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right next to Joel Kinnaman. Yeah, Joel Kinnaman. And real quick. We can hear each other on this next little thing. I'm going to play a little video. You could talk over it. How did this thing come about? And how did you guys choreograph this? And how does it go down for this right here? Oh, uh, <laughs> so, so, well, this is fake because that would never happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but because he's the star. So Joel has this company called Oatlaws. Yeah. So it's a very healthy, like, oat pudding. And he wanted to do an advertisement for it. And he wanted to incorporate jujitsu into it and we had uh, jeremy he's one of the 8711 guys directed oh, okay. 8711 for those of you that don't know are the people responsible for doing john wick all the john wicks yeah. like the, the, the hottest stunt the, the the main guy chad um stahelski yes he's a black belt in judo and he transformed action films with john oh, wick. big time so good so yeah so we made a cool little commercial for his oak company he's uh yeah joel's um Joel is one of those celebrities where you're just like, you shouldn't be this good at jujitsu. You're too <laughs> handsome. <laughs> you can't have it all, Joel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's tall too. So he's like trying to pass his guard. It's like you get past his legs, but there's still more legs. There's more legs. <laughs> Watch out for triangles, bro. Uh, oh, <laughs> you know, and another thing I like to ask guys to come on a show, in particular for their training is what does an average week of training look like for you? BJJ, weights, cardio, all the above. Yeah, so before my shoulder about a year ago just went to shit, the back preference this is 
that white belt tournament I was telling you about in 2001, mm. I was training for. I was practicing my stand-up, probably terrible technique. I shot in on a much larger opponent for a single leg. He sprawled and it moved my shoulder from here to here. I'll never oh. forget. It sounded like a phone book tearing. Oh, anyway, they put it back in there at the gym and I drove myself to the hospital and the doctor checked it out for any nerve pinches. It was fine. So for 20 years, I've just been accumulating, like just destroying cartilage. And it finally, you know, it just reared its ugly head last March. And I kind of mm -hmm. danced around it for as long as I could until finally, you know, the MRI was like, you need, you have no, you have arthritis and, you know, shoulder impingement and no cartilage. So the least you can do is get surgery to kind of fix some of it. Wow. Um, but before that I was training, I was training five times a week, five to six times a week. Okay. Great. Uh, and I was lifting, I was doing functional training three times a week. And I think that kind of overtraining helped speed up the degeneration. Gotcha. Now coming back from seven months of rehab post -sur surgery and just getting back into, and you know, six months of filming. So just now getting back into jujitsu this month, for me, what my body feels best, and I just turned 40, so, you know, yeah. I'm not, I can't train like I was in my 20s. In my yeah. 20s, I was going, I'd do two days, like two days, like it wasn't like drinking a cup of coffee, like nothing. Yeah, but yeah. recovery was incredible, yeah. as I'm sure everyone is. But I try and train now like two days with a one-day rest, uh, active rest, so that'll be maybe like functional like foam rolling i do i have a theragun i use every oh, single awesome. and then i'll do two days and then weekends i'll try and rest but i have a whole tatami set up here at the house so sometimes people come over and my oldest my six-year-old he's into jujitsu so sometimes we mess about oh that's awesome yeah i'm glad to hear it's gotten better and then obviously that's you know the the physical therapy side of it and building it back up so you're able to you know, obviously get back on the mat and do things. and Yeah, so to, to make a long answer longer, it's, it's, I try and train up now about four times a week. Two of those are privates with my professor. Hmm. Um, oh, who's your professor, by the way? I don't think I asked that. No, his name is uh, out here. His name is Andre Herberto, and he's with Zenith. When I originally moved, it was in Atos, and then they changed from Atos to Zenith. Got it. He's very he's, – he's great. He's a – lightweight very fast very technical like there's several jujitsu spots i live in a very small town in south brazil mm -hmm. i've been to all the academies and i fell in love with him just because of his technique i was like ah this is this is where i see the direction of my jujitsu going and it's very mendes brothers very technical aspect of it more of the sport than like the no-gi. I, I, I rarely do no-gi, although I love no-gi, but I spend so much time in the gi. Yeah. Um, when it comes down to like, oh, I should do no-gi, I'm like, no, I should rest. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's tough. Week, I, I sprint twice a week and I try and do a full body like strength and conditioning twice a week. So. And is there anything recovery-wise? You know, some people do ice baths, saunas, massage, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the morning... When the kids wake me up before the sun, I have a foam roller and a medicine ball right next to the bed. So I literally just roll out of bed right onto that. So every morning there's about an hour of stretching and mobility work while, you know, the kids kind of play and the breakfast is being made. 
And that is literally my coffee every day. Like I, it's sometimes I can't even fathom like going down, like making my body go downstairs without hitting the foam roller yeah. and like loosening up all the shoulders and stuff. And, you know, that's the other interesting thing about this too, is some people are just like, ah, that guy was just born to be like this. And it's it, you kind no. of go into your mindset on just your viewpoint on training, whether it's, Hey, just make your lifestyle or whatever. Cause some people do approach it mentally like, Oh, I'm worried about getting hurt. Others approach it like, yeah, you know, I think maybe I'm past my prime or something. So can you kind of go into, that's not the case. It's not ever uh, the case unless someone has like some horrible car accident or something like that. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, I used to ride motorcycles for years until I had a kid and then I, I got rid of them all. But, you know, in motorcycle culture, they talk about hmm. there's the riders who have gone down and the riders who haven't gone down yet. So jujitsu is kind of like, it's a combat sport. When you get into a combat sport, the chances of injury are, you know, it's a lot higher than picking up baseball or, you know, as a, or softball as a hobby. So yeah, eventually, and I was very lucky for most of my jujitsu career that I was pretty safe for the dislocation in the beginning, but yeah. you know, I've only had a handful of stuff, but I know so many of my friends will go into one knee surgery to a hip surgery to, and not to scare anyone away that you know is considering or just started jujitsu but that is why you fall in love with the sport and that's why you stay with the sport is i think when you understand the consequences of doing a combat sport especially jujitsu which is just this mechanical chess game with bones muscle and flesh like it's inevitable but because you love it you stay with it you know yeah. what, what is it the, the black belts it's not who's good it's just who's left yeah Yes, pretty, yeah, the 1% of the 1%. Mm -hmm. uh, or, well, your injury happened early on in the white belt, like you said, at the competition. Yeah, and I was lucky. I was like, I was pre-20s, so it's like my body recovered as much as it could, but then just, you know, time and yeah, there's only so much cartilage. that. And also, KV, don't you find the longer you've trained, the less injuries you accrue because yeah, of you, I think another thing, too, is like especially getting a little older – and, you know, when I was young, I trained with anybody, anytime, like same with like when I would do stunts, like, no, 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 I don't need a stunt guy. I'm going to do all my stunts. Now it's like, man, I'd like to have a stunt guy. <laughs> you know, Keanu Reeves said this great thing. He said, I do my own action, but I don't do my own stunts. So I'm kind of the same way, like the camera will be on me and I'll be punching a guy and then that guy will get thrown through a window and that's not me going through the window. But then I'll get up from the window and punch and punch and kick or whatever. So as I think as your technique grows and your maturity in the sport grows, you can kind of eyeball like, all right, well, that's maybe not a person that's good for me to train with. You know, there's there's a couple right. very strong competitive purple belts at my academy that I love to death. But I, you know, me now with, you know, thinking about career and body parts and joints, yeah. I'm like, I don't need to train with them because like I, I, I want to be in this sport for as long as I can be in this sport. Yeah. I don't need to, to win anything or, or prove anything. You know, I'm, I'm such a fan of tapping early now. Again, yeah. especially now, if, any, if someone puts their hand on my wrist, I'll tap. You like, got it. Okay. It's like, well, if I get Kimord or Americana on my left side, like I'm just back in the hospital. So it, there's no, there's no point. And that's so. true. Like, and there's also a lot of subject in jujitsu with the subject of ego. 
And some people yeah. know they yeah. do it. Some people, they don't know they do it, but that ego can turn into a team. By the way, if you can't, let's say you're stalled out defending an arm bar and you've exhausted all technique and you don't have an answer for it with technique, just tap. Just yeah. Tap. Not to be fully extend it out. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that's a really good point is that, um, I think it takes a lot more courage and masculinity to leave the e and I, you know, I'm victim to this too. Like, I don't, this, he's not going to, he's a purple belt or blue belt. He's not going to get this on me. I feel that voice a lot in the back of my head, but I feel it's funny as you go up in the so-called ranks, it becomes less and less important to you. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, I don't know how to explain that, but to me, it's not like, I don't need to go to the gym and submit everyone, but right. I would like to go to the gym and leave feeling good about how it performed. Even if I got submitted mm -hmm. you know, all, all day long. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, you, you learn from that. You learn more from failure than, mm -hmm. than winning. you don't learn anything from winning. It's just, that's, that's just a nice pat on the back. But that's failure, such an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, it's like a lot of these people that are getting these submissions you know, the, the strong guys are getting sure that's, you know, that's great and stuff, but you have to understand that if you're doing jujitsu for the long run, mm -hmm. your strength eventually is not going to be there uh, as you age. And if you don't have the technique to break that up, all of a sudden, all these moves you've been hitting on everyone all these years, they don't exist anymore. Cause now you're going up against someone younger and stronger. And if you don't have the technique to back that up, then you don't have good jujitsu. So great point. Yeah, it's a phenomenal point. Yeah, it should always be technique senior to anything else. You know, I uh, yeah. now there's one story I, we had talked in the past about, and I'd like to bring this up because there was a time you almost had. Well, I'm not sure if there's other times you actually had to use your jujitsu in the street, but there's one time you actually almost truly had to use that, and that was when you're filming the Mongolian Connection in Mongolia. You might know where I'm going with this. I'm not sure if it was a sumo wrestler, but it was a it was oh. a Mongolian wrestler. If you go into that story, it was kind of nuts. Yeah, I guess we were shooting – oh, man, I wish I had Drew here to back me up on this. But if I remember correctly, we were filming at night. We were filming a scene where my character is confronting some some hooligans in a, in a car trying to harass one of our main actresses. And we were filming right outside of, like, a very famous bar, like a very a happening spot. And in Mongolia, stuff does not close down. Like, there is no closing time. They just go pretty much. Apparently they had yelled cut and then the whole, I didn't know what's happening, but the whole crew came and like surrounded me. And uh, I was like, what is happening? They're like, oh, there's a, like a world champion Mongolian wrestler in there. And he's coming out because he heard like there were some Americans here and he's very intoxicated oh, no. and we think he wants to fight. So we're just, we're just going to help you get to the car. So, I mean, I didn't end up using any jujitsu, thank God. I mean, getting getting taken down by a world-class Mongolian wrestler on the pavement probably would have ended any jujitsu I had. In. <laughs> Although I did get to do um, – I trained a lot with the stunt team. Mm, on, yeah. And they're they're all fantastic. Like, it's crazy. Like, in Mongolia, they all know how to wrestle, and they all know how to ride horses. It's the most bizarre thing. Like, it's, anyone, part, it's really strong in their culture. Oh, I mean, it's in, you know, it's why China built a wall. Like yeah, they right. are warriors, very strong. So it was cool to share like 
what's this skinny white guy doing on his back fighting with his legs in the air like a dead <laughs> roach? <laughs> Don't you know, you know that's the position you lose in? Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting to share kind of that point of view of fighting with them. And you actually had a friend of mine of the show, Lloyd Bateman. Uh, oh. He's an amazing guy. You guys were helping do a stunt choreography segment where you pull off like a almost like a flying or falling armbar kind of. Yeah, I think I do. Um, I do uh, Sayanagi or some. Mm. I, I can't remember the exact throw. I can't remember if I have over his head or I go under his arm. I think it's over his head. But anyway, it's a hip throw straight into an arm bar. And it, Lloyd is, I mean, I love Lloyd. We've been trying to find an excuse to work together since the Mongolian connection. And when he found out I did jujitsu, he's like, well, let's incorporate that into your character. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank God. Yeah. So a lot of the times I'd be like, hey man, I haven't in this particular scene, I was like, I have him pinned against the wall. What do you think about like a hip throw into an arm bar? And like his brain works at like supersonic speed. He's like, perfect. And after that, this is going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. And like, it was great because it had kind of incorporated a little bit of myself into the character yeah. while still making it look badass. Like yeah. I remember when you went to uh, another friend of mine who I saw you had on the show, uh, Higa Machado. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. We came to the we had a premiere in LA, and uh, I invited my whole jujitsu academy, all of Robot. So they were all sitting like behind me at the premiere, and uh, I they all erupted when they saw the the, the hip throw to the armbar. They're like, oh! <laughs> uh, that's amazing. You know, that's the other thing with this. Named a couple of guys we both kind of mutually know right now. And what's beautiful about jujitsu in particular compared to like a lot of other styles. Like you say, you always go anywhere with a mouth guard and a belt. Like you can go anywhere, pretty much anywhere on the globe, jujitsu school, and just go in. It's not like, oh, you had to train with us to a certain point first, or what's your experience like with that? And just how amazing is that? Rare is that? It's, I mean, I can't really speak about it with any other martial art because since I started jujitsu, there really hasn't, mm. you know, I'm very loyal to this. There hasn't, I haven't wanted to try anything. And that's basically just because. I'm like, well, what is the point? Like, why would I make, how could they improve on this martial art? Yeah, no, it's uh, again, you know, stealing the words from Flannery. It's just, I have a brotherhood wherever I go in the world and I can exactly, I can just walk in. Hello, this, you know, I've trained a bit and I'd love to train with you guys. And it's most of the time, you know, everyone talks about drop-in fees. I don't think I've ever paid a drop. Like everyone is so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, unless it's something like I'm in town for months, then of course I'm like, I, you know, I'm going to pay. But just a once or twice type of deal, like something that binds people that in no other walks of life would have necessarily anything to do with each other. So that's another big part of the attraction to the sport is that you're getting put into dangerous situations where the chaos is somewhat controlled. And you're discovering different sides of yourself while yeah. discovering different sides of other people that you would never normally maybe interact with. So. And that's just that. But you mentioned earlier too, like let's say you visit, uh, you don't speak the language in the country you visit, like mm-hmm. Japan or something like that. I say yeah. Brazil, but you're probably pretty good at Portuguese at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but you may not all speak the same language, but you speak the same jujitsu or same, you speak in yes. technique, yeah. kind of go into that concept. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a universal physical language like i might not 
understand what they're setting up to do. But when they start showing the position, like the position speaks a universal language. I don't need yeah. to know that I can see that his foot is going on the hip and that, oh, he's doing single leg X. And we're doing, we're, oh, okay, he's doing like a muscle up sweep from single leg X. That's the drill. Man, or, or that's what he's teaching. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And when five minutes goes up on the clock or eight minutes I, I, and we bump hands, I know exactly what's happening next. <laughs> now, do you have any, whether it's books, documentaries, movies, TV shows, go to as far as recommendations for people to check out? If you haven't seen Sean Patrick Flannery's Born a Champion yeah. and you're in the jiu-jitsu awesome. community, I, I remember reading that script and crying twice. Uh, he sent it to me before they even made it. Yeah, and my buddy Maurice Compte is in it. Great film, great film. And then, of course, like Warrior is fantastic with Tom Hardy, who got the bug, I think, from yeah. that film. And now he's just showing up to tournaments. Could you imagine, yeah. by the way, it's like, oh, it's my, you know, my first tournament. Oh, Tom Hardy, what the fuck? <laughs> I, you know what? Someone's asked me that. Someone asked me that not too long ago. And I was like, yeah, that would be, that would be terrible because why would I be fighting a blue belt? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he got demoted. No, yeah. no. He's, uh, I've sent, my father-in-law owns like a sports action clothing store out here. And they make kimonos. And oh, I cool. sent his stunt double one of our kimonos, and he loves it. Jake Tomer. Oh, cool. And that's the other interesting, you know, on your side of things, a lot of different walks of life are attracting. Like you said, most people go into the class, it's everyday people. But you do see the celebrity bandwagon, so to speak. Mm -hmm. People, not just actors, but musicians, athletes, mm -hmm. you name it. It seems like the cool thing to do, to be do jujitsu. Uh, why do you think that they're so attracted, celebrities in, in general, are so attracted to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Well, yeah, I mean, celebrities in general, I think there's a lot of creativity in uh, Jiu-Jitsu, and there's a lot of expression of self. It's nice. a sport yeah. that you can kind of create your own identity or imitate someone else's you know, identity in, kind of in the sport. And I think as actors and creatives – like I see a lot of digital advertising and artists and commercial directed, like there's a lot of creative people now. Whereas I think when I first started off, it was like kind of your blue collar type rough and tough, but now you have guys showing up to the gym in Tesla's, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, stuff. So it's like, and, and not being white belts, like being legit hard round hitters. But yeah, I think it has a lot to do with kind of, that creative puzzle and people that tend to think outside of the box with their creativity, I think start to excel at the sport. It's like that, you know, I watch the kids at my son's class and, you know, you see the bigger, stronger kind of knuckle dragging kids and you're like, Oh, well, great that he's in this sport. But then like, you know, my son who's on the leaner, smaller side, but he gets it. Like he's always been interested in, in gears and mechanics. And so, to him, you're like, well, that's the kid that's really going to get it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I completely. The bigger kid will put on like a ground and pound, like we'll put yeah. it in MMA. But <laughs> to figure out you know, who's going to go to the, to Long Beach to compete in the world. Would be, yeah. <laughs> you know, and when you're talking, not just to your fellow actors and things like that, but you know, anybody from any walk of life, how are you kind of like promoting jujitsu to them because it's helped you so much you, you do seem like a guy that advocates that benefit to others as well what's the kind of approach you give them like just come and try it out how do you approach people on that 
Yeah. I mean, it's, I tell them, man, it's like the matrix. Like it's, you cannot know about it until you see it, until you participate in it. Like there's, there's nothing I can explain to you about the sport until you even watching it. Like you don't, yeah. especially don't understand. You don't understand. You have to actually feel this, someone else's skeleton and muscle and very close presence on you to have that immediate appreciation or like, I never want to do this again. Yeah. Type. <laughs> that's pretty, uh, that's my experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had, I've had so many friends, you know, come in for like a drop in to try it out. And I've had a, a very small few that stick around and I've had more that are just like, Nope. I mean, it's, if you're claustrophobic, even yeah. if you are like, it's a great way to get rid of that. Like being able to calm yourself a yeah. much heavier opponent smothering your air like being able to go to a place and be like i'm okay i'm all i have to do is this you know that's all I yeah have to do. yeah it's less a base of and you know more of a carefree environment that was the other thing you don't see anybody on the mat very meat-heady or anything like that's very cerebral art yeah yeah there's definitely a bruisers at every gym meatheads at every gym but i think as the sport's now gaining a lot more momentum you are seeing those more cerebral types that are being like, wow, yeah. what? I play chess. This is like yeah. chess with body parts, you know? Yeah, I love that. So what kind of, if you can think of it, I'm sure there's been so many through the years, but what's some like really, really good wisdom or advice that you've gotten, whether it's from instructors or training partners or just whether you lost on something, what's something that kind of really stuck with you and changed your game the most? Man. The deep cuts uh, now. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> man i just gave bruce lee advice to a, a purple belt yesterday and he was talking about how he felt bad about using he was having this great success with this half guard pass that i had taught him but he was starting to feel bad that it was the only pass he was using and he was hitting it on much higher belts and having you know and, and doing it really well and i was like you know i, I not to butcher the wonderful great Bruce Lee, but he would say, you know, it's you don't fear the man that knows ten thousand kicks. You fear the man that's practiced one kick ten thousand times. So yeah, I think if you find, and I find that at at least for me personally, at purple belt is when I kind of found my identity in jujitsu. Like white and blue was learning just as just bombarding myself with knowledge. And then purple belt was kind of like shaving off everything. I like all the stuff that I don't use, like that's not the direction I'm going. This is who I am in the sport. Yeah. Again, going back to it's, it's such a sport of self expression and uh, yeah. so many styles of presenting it that do it. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. My advice is don't be afraid to tap. There you go. That's a very important tap and tap often. One day you'll be the other guy. So uh, (laughs) any future goals, not just martial arts, you say just shot something. Well, I'm very lucky that I do a job that, you know, I'll go away and work for a while. But then when I'm not working, I have all the time in the world to just do jujitsu and, you know, be be a father. So uh, I'm very grateful and blessed in that sense. So now it's kind of, for me, in between jobs, I might go to Madrid for something that oh, okay. rhymes. Yeah, rhymes with uh, 
Slapeo for, for, for a streaming service that has three letters in it. Um, yeah, until I get the green light on that, I'm just going to be trying to improve my brown beltness. The brown beltness. The other thing was, yeah, when did you first? I think we talked a little bit about this. It was more about the Mongolian connection last time it came up. But like, when did you a get the acting bug, and then when did you b realize, hey, this is a this is a, a career path for me here. Yeah, so I I was very lucky that you know a lot of people come into it kind of later in life. I discovered from a young age that like, you know, I loved getting attention, and I think it was the Return of the Jedi. My mother had rented for me, and I was like, "What is this?" And she put it on. She's like, "You're gonna like this," and. I was so young at the time. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I was like, this is incredible. I want to do whatever that is. And so I always kind of had this performer bug. And then when I went to high school, the school I went to had a performance art kind of fame school within the high school. And, you know, freshman through senior year, I was like, oh, I can, this is what I'm meant to do, just act. And then I think two months after I graduate, I was in L.A., like trying to figure out, okay, what's the next step of getting in front of a camera? And then it was just, it's been uphill since. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Yeah. You, I mean, when you know, you know, just like with jujitsu, like you get in, you're either, Hey, this isn't for me or where's this been my whole life. And, exactly. uh, and that passion with the acting too. By the way, I didn't know this the last time we talked, but I just watched quite recently. I believe it's called the circle. Oh yeah. circle. Yeah. I'm like, Holy shit. I, I, <laughs> it's kind of yeah. right there. Long hair and a big beard. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was an amazing. I just visited that because I, I was scrolling through Netflix with my wife the other night and my wife was like, oh, there you are. I was like, I haven't watched this in a while. And, you know, obviously not to bring attention to something I've been in, but outside of that, it's it, it hits on so many incredible topics that film like so many racism and social status and and it all takes place in one location. That was it. We shot that 10 years ago, 2013. Yeah. Time flies by. Next thing you know, you're a brown belt and then a black belt. <laughs> <laughs> I get my brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu in Brazil from a Brazilian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? By the way, with Sean Patrick Flannery, I think he's more into jiu-jitsu than anybody I've ever met in my life. This oh, guy, dude. I mean, that guy's, if he didn't have the acting career, like that'd be like just what he does, man. No, he's, I mean, he's such a role model for me in that aspect. And, you know, he hit it mm-hmm. on the nose only once because him and I did a, a Western together. Oh, yeah. Called The Outsider. That was great. And uh, he said, you know, jujitsu basically saved my life. Like, because, you know, between, and it's the same for me, between the time when I'm on set and I'm off set before I go back to work. Like my mind, if I'm not working, I need some kind of creative outlet. And jujitsu offers that intense hyper focus that I rarely only give my mind to outside of work. Because the, you know, jujitsu is like family, my work, and jujitsu is a very, I mean, it's between (laughs) work and jujitsu. If I could just do jujitsu at work, then they would be, it would be the same. But it's like, yeah, jujitsu. I don't know where I would be. I would have probably self imploded by now. You know. Wow. It, it, yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing to hear because it helps. It's not just oh, it's a great workout or you can defend yourself. You know. Yeah. I, no, it's so much more than that. Yeah. So and it's 
it's a healthy addiction. Like there's nothing wrong with scrolling the internet looking yeah. for positions and stuff. And you know, you know, like social media figures out your algorithm. Oh yeah. When I, when I go into like the Instagram like explore, it's just all like takedowns, De La Hiva, you know. That's all loaded up. I especially uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and being in Brazil, big Asahi guy. Uh, you know what? I, I, I probably get killed if I don't say yes. I do enjoy it. I don't eat it as much as I probably should. Anytime you go to a tournament, you see the Asahi uh, oh, stand. It's just like yeah, yeah. it's invigorating without getting that sugar drop off that you get like from ice cream or, or you know. I mean, it's just so healthy. Yeah, yeah. Antioxidants yeah. is amazing. Man, it's been awesome catching up with you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time on the show again, buddy. Dude, such a pleasure. Thank you. All the best. Us. Us. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Warrior's Edge podcast. For more great talks and interviews on all things martial arts, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platforms. And if you're ever in our area, you're welcome to come in and train with us at our academy, Olympus Grappling Arts. Until the next one, keep listening and keep training.